there is no public space online. And this is something that we could, if um, we wanted to, fight for in Web3 and the metaverse, because right now it's a lot of brands like there's money to be made but there's also society to be made and how do we want the society there to be made hello and welcome to the culture and technology podcast my name is severin matosek and this is the second episode of our metaverse special who are the people shaping the future of the internet. In our last episode, we heard from artist collective Kaiken and the curators of Vienna Cyber Festival on how virtual spaces represent our bodies and identities. In this episode today, we invited two more experts who are bringing virtual experiences to life. Those are Meryl van Herstingen, who founded Next Museum in Amsterdam, which is the first museum in the Netherlands dedicated to new media art. And Tina Lawrence, an expert on digital theater and current project manager of digital development at Staatstheater Augsburg. When it comes to physical institutions like museums and theaters, which often have a hundred years of history embedded in them, how can they bring virtual experiences to us? Should they even do that? Should they enter virtual space or should they stay purely physical? And vice versa, how can we take digital work and bring it into the physical world in a meaningful way? What we will hear now is a recording of our panel discussion at Vienna Creative Days from June 2022. I started the conversation with a comment about artistic freedom in virtual worlds. In physical space, after all, artists have to deal with constraints like the size of a room, the fabric of a canvas, or the size of an audience. But these constraints don't really apply to virtual spaces that have completely different parameters of time and space which are essentially up to us to define and create. They're, these virtual worlds are basically worlds that are up to us to create, and probably a lot of the rules that apply to physical theater or a lot of the rules that apply to traditional art don't apply to virtual worlds. I also found your example beautiful, of the artist who um, didn't feel represented in their identity and thus created his own virtual world where he felt represented. So how do you think artistic freedom is changing in these virtual worlds that we are creating right now? Well, I think for starters, when people design for the virtual world, some people call it the metaverse or one of the metaverses, but from a design point of view, you don't have any constraints. So there's no gravity, there's no floor and ceiling. So how come so many of the virtual galleries have a floor, a ceiling and uh, paintings on the wall? Like what is going on? So I think, um, I, I love the question because I think we should actually ask the question also to to maybe yeah, create that discussion because there are no boundaries. So why do people still attach themselves to what they know? And I think some companies are totally smashing it. Like, for example, the Fabricant that has an exhibition now at Next, they have one a space 
and it's showing their digital fashion pieces. But they've been asked by so many traditional fashion houses, can you make this bag exactly the same virtually? And they say, no, we don't do collaborations with fashion houses. We don't recreate your existing piece because we're here to break the boundaries and to reinvent what can happen in this imaginary world where there are no rules. I think it's really important for artists kind of coming into this space to just almost drop everything you previously thought you had to stick on to. Like, and, and I mean, there's new constraints. It's really hard to create beautiful environments in the metaverse because there's still rules. And for example, if you now start creating an avatar, you choose a male or female avatar. So there's new constraints, for example. I just learned from our Harriet Bend, who made a beautiful avatar for us, that if she wanted to create a black avatar, she had to pay extra, but she could get the free white avatar. Like, And she's now protesting and, and coming back at that company to complain and saying, what is wrong with you? So forget the constraints in the real world um, and fight the constraints that are happening in the virtual world. But I think the opportunities should become endless and that's the beauty of it. We're coming a bit from the other side of that um, equation because in theater, traditionally everything's possible, but a lot of the people we work with in, in, in virtual reality come from commercial backgrounds. Um, they maybe come from universities where they've been told you're going to work in a game studio and this is what to expect. Um, this is um, how you design a very flawless and easy piece that is um, very slick And for commercial uses, we don't do that. We want to look behind that facade. We want to look deeper into, into topics and really um, uh, uh, dig deep. We need to find people who can be brought to think like that and who can be brought to break their own rules of their own profession. And also... Um, Yes, uh, th there are new rules. Sometimes they are as easy as you don't uh, drag around a 360-degree camera because then everyone in your audience will puke. This is really something that we do not go against. And a lot of theater people, they still say, I want to test the boundary. And we always say, no, no, mm -mm. that's one boundary we do not test. In talking about constraints, I, what I liked about your presentation, and I know, you know from your background in Chaos Computer Club, you also introduce open source projects, open source um, technologies. Obviously, whenever we talk about art or experiences that are created with technological means, we are dependent on the companies that produce these technologies, the rules that they imply, etc. Um, so how do you try to break free from that, for example, by using open source technologies to probably not be that dependent on the big data companies, for example? Well, sometimes you can't. Um, there is software that is commercial software, and when you have a developer who says, I can do this software, You got to use it. But uh, what we can do as a publicly uh, financed institution, which is a state theater in Germany, you can um, try to um, convey all that you learned to talk to other people so that they don't make the same mistakes. You have the privilege of 
experimenting and trying things out and giving advice to people who can maybe not afford those same experiments. You can tell them what works and what doesn't so they can skip ahead. And this is something that we've been doing um, for the past two years very um, excessively because we think um, building the skills and is one thing but then sharing them is something that we can introduce to the theater world, which is not a very sharing culture business in itself. With digital technology, we are all at the very beginning because uh, up to 2019, most of the theater world was vehemently against using digital technology on stages. There were a few outliers, but most of the uh, business was very analog. And I think we're past that. But we can use this movement of beginning to introduce new practices of sharing knowledge, which is something that we've been doing. Does this apply to you as well? Well, yeah, I think to your question, I think um, about the software companies or, or tech companies and they have their products and you have to use them but I also think like artists are kind of the pioneers I feel like they're changing the game they're they're activists they're tech developers they're always pushing the boundaries and I found that often um, either they develop their own tools because they're like this doesn't work whatever I create my own layer on the other layer and we are all totally lost but all the developers totally understand because it's all a um, community of collaboration. So if um, Helene Blanc and our artists developed a new technology or a new software system to build something on top of something that couldn't be done before, she shares it into the world of developers and then everyone can use it. So I think that is really, really beautiful to see. And what you see as well is that some companies are actually open for change. So one of the, the, the blockchain companies we now work with, we just sent them a list of feedback saying this is all the things we these are the things we want. And now they're implementing some of those changes because they actually want to learn from institutions, learn from artists who are paving the way and create better software. Um, But yeah, it's it's not for every software company. And like I just said, often money comes in the way. And um, so it depends who you work with. But we've, we've been working also with some really pleasant um, partners who are adding features and changing things to accommodate the arts. I would also like to talk about maybe uh, the changing nature of artists and creators, which is something I think you both mentioned, where uh, you mentioned an example of a software developer who created art and who still has a hard time um, defining themselves as an artist. And I wonder you know, if that also translates to, to theater or dramatic art or performance. Will we see new types of actors, for example, in the metaverse or in the virtual reality or even if I think about you know, influencer culture and a lot of the creators out there that stream on Twitch um, or on TikTok, those are all sort of actors, you know, enacting personas, etc. Are you considering that as maybe including that in your, in your future art pieces? How is it changing? Well, we are very open, um, but the, the theater, the institutions themselves, they are very critical. They tend to ask us, is that theater what you're doing? Is it not 
gaming or video or whatever? And we have a very, very simple answer to that. We say, well, we are a theater, so everything we do is by definition theater. And this opens up so many new possibilities. We are extremely free in what we are doing and exploring. Um, so, yeah. Do you think that there is going to be a new type of actor uh, successful in the metaverse or in the virtual reality? There's new acting skills. Um, I have one colleague who is in his 25th year of uh, being in the same house. Um, and he said, well, Tina, it's all very nice what you do, but it's not for me. I'm a stage actor. I need the stage. I need the physical exchange with the audience. And for his anniversary, um, his 25th stage experience anniversary, Uh, my artistic director put him in a 360-degree video production. He was um, alone in there. It was a monologue. It was beautifully made, and he was great in it. And he needed to kind of get over his own shadow and perform for the camera, um, which is something that um, he was adamantly not having before. He did it beautifully. But he said it was very weird because um, there was this thing, this globe camera thing, and everybody said, well, you know your lines. Uh, we'll see you when you're done. Just say when you're done, we are going. And then they closed the door from the outside because with a 360-degree video, As a director, you cannot be on scene. So he was very alone, and that was uncomfortable for him. And he had to kind of find ways to connect to that piece of technology as if it was um, the, the audience member that was seeing it later. And he did it. So, yeah, I think we need new skills, and we need to broaden our expectations of what performance art is and what um, digital performance art can be. And um, Marilyn and I talked uh, before, it is really a question of intersectionality because um, performing art and visual art and digital art, it's all melting away the differences or the differences that we thought we had between our institutions and between our art forms, and it's making completely new connections. So I think the role of the artist has totally changed. I think one element of it is that it's not necessarily the individual artist god, but it's a collective because these kind of more technical works often it's not made by one person of course sometimes there's one visionary behind it but every art piece that we've installed comes with a whole studio a whole group of people everyone has their own task and everyone is collaborating um, so Marshmallow Laser Feast for example they are five people and the whole team is a whole studio of maybe 20 by now and also UVA was three people sitting in the space Lucy McRae worked with so many different people um, building, scaling, making, developing so I think one thing that's changing it's not about that one individual but it becomes about the practice and the group and the, the, the vision um, I think the other one is that for artists, they have to do a lot more work. So uh, there was this, this incredible meme just sold on the blockchain by Dadara. And there was one um, image which said, artists making artwork and sex, drugs and rock and roll, oh, yeah, which was <laughs> like 80%, 20%. And now it's like 20% artists making art. And the other 80% is artists on social media. Because an artist now 
you have to do your own marketing. You you can have a gallery, you can have incredible shows at institutions, but if you don't have Instagram, Twitter, Discord, Twitch, uh, TikTok, um, and probably five others that are coming to us, you are not going to be found. And the reality is that social media has become incredibly important for artists to be discovered, to share their message, to connect with their audience, and no one else is going to do it for them. So I think that's a really, really big shift in the role of an artist, but also the job an artist has has to do now. Which is ironic, right? Because on social media, there is no artistic freedom. You cannot just show anything on there that you could show in a gallery because you're a user and you are restricted by usage agreements and you can be banned from those platforms just by doing your art. Yeah. No, it's totally restrictive. And also the fact that now artworks are made in the square because Instagram is a square. So how come the square is now a thing when you can do all sorts of types of projections and screens? But people think now in the, the square, which is crazy. That brings me to the point of the role, maybe the changing role of institutions, because you've just built an institution, the next museum, and of course you are dependent on selling tickets, getting sponsors, etc. But you could argue that probably a lot of the artists that you exhibit do not need an institution anymore to get seen. They'd have their own following, just, it's a hypothesis. And at the same time, as a theater, you have the opposite challenge of do people still need you because there's so much entertainment out there on Twitch or on other platforms? Do they still need the Staatstheater Augsburg to create digital content in a sea of massive digital content? So how do you see your role as institutions in creating that relationship to the audience? What part are you playing in that? I think it will always be important um, to tell the story. And yes, an artist can do their own work, their own promotion, their own show in a, in a metaverse or wherever. But I do think there will be a need for physical experiences, for connection, for, for debates around it, for coming together and improve, brainstorm, make, um, experiment. So I think that is one part of, that's one thing, that's one part of the role of an institution, creating that space for experiment like we did with the dancers um, creating artist residencies where you bring people together that normally wouldn't come together um, and from there new things will grow and uh, incredible art will be shown to people um, the other element I think is some of the artists we work with um, love that they're now part of a big group show where we shine a different light on the artwork because the work now is about these virtual identities and we bring it back to surrealism, to moments in history, to trends in society and actually seeing those works in a way that we tell a story around a certain topic that is really important for artists to be seen by new communities, new people and also to have people be educated around their work. Mm, so it's providing context and sense yeah. making. Yeah, in a theater we have those usually historic buildings that we need to fill they have 600 places they have a thousand places and they need to be full every evening also these are the places that there are historically 
open public spaces. They're public spaces in a city where um, dialogue happens, where discourse happens, and we do have a responsibility to facilitate that, to facilitate discussions about social change. And we can do this in the city, but uh, we are all digital um, uh, beings right now. Digital transformation is the biggest transformation uh, since the Industrial Revolution. So it, it involves all of us. And I think um, that we need to find, as a theatre, um, we need to find space in the digital. But we missed that 20 years ago. Because 20 years ago we thought, no, we are an analog art form. We do not have a place in the digital. And right now, that's what we're missing because there is no artistic freedom, there is no public space online. And this is something that we could, if um, we wanted to, fight for in Web3 and the metaverse, because right now it's a lot of brands, like there's money to be made. But there's also society to be made. And how do we want the society there to be made? Theater and artistic institutions have a responsibility and I think an, an opportunity to speak up and say, what about freedom of expression? What about artistic freedom? What about everything that we um, cherish about public space? I also have a perfect example of an artist uh, that um, basically shows that we are absolutely not needed um, in a way because um, we asked him before the pandemic, before the crisis to be part of Next and somehow it didn't, it didn't happen in the end but we're still having good relationships and we asked him again in 2021 for the new show and um, his rates gone up through the roof and he basically said, no, I don't think you can afford me. I make so much money in the blockchain. I drop NFTs every week you know maybe I can do it for free to help your institution and we were like what the, what happens like two years of time we were supporting the artist that needed it and now he wanted to support us by giving us his wonderful incredible digital work so definitely the the things have shifted incredibly The Culture and Technology Podcast is produced by the Vienna Business Agency. The Vienna Business Agency supports businesses, the economy, and the city to develop Vienna's creative industries further.